namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa buddhang dhammang sankhang namasami This is a dark and stormy night. Uh, half moon is uh, somewhere up there behind the uh, the rain and the clouds. Uh, uh, and uh, tomorrow is our Katina festival. As uh, people know, we have these uh, glorious flower arrangements on the shrine and all the offerings that have been made by so many good-hearted people uh, over the last few weeks uh, uh, gathered here uh, in the temple. And uh, we'll be having our uh, online uh, socially distanced Katina festival uh, tomorrow that people have been working very, very hard to uh, to prepare, or organize, and uh, they create a, a new script for. This is the first time we've ever uh, had to, to do this. So this is a very different pattern than the other years. Uh, one thing I noticed with the big rainstorm this evening was that I felt I was not worrying about the arms round tomorrow. <laughs> But the one thing we don't have to be concerned about is the uh, the long Bindabata line in the, uh, and whether the, the rain will be there or not. So with, uh, with these festival days, uh, uh, whether it's the Katina or other festivals like the Visaka Puja, full moon of May, or the Asala Puja, full moon of July and so forth, um, it's very uh, easy for us to get very involved in the the details of the preparations, um, the working out of the the routine, and what uh, places we've got to put all the mats, or uh, who's going to arrange the flowers, and uh, all of the various um, and many duties that we have, uh, and uh, the kind of planning and organizing structure and so forth. And it's it's sometimes easy to forget what it is that the festival is for, what, what are we celebrating. And so I always like to put my mind onto uh, the, uh, say the, the source of the particular festival and the occasion, what it's uh, celebrating, why it's there in our calendar, and not to, to let the mind get completely taken up with all of the, uh, the practical details and the the mechanics of, uh, of planning the, the ceremonies and the events and who's coming and uh, how everything needs to be done. Oh, the Katina uh, will, uh, will um, uh, be explained in a lot of, a lot of detail uh, tomorrow and when we have the online events. So I won't go into a, a, a lot of the, the background to that uh, this evening. But essentially, it's a, um, a festival that celebrates the uh, symbiotic, uh, the mutually supportive relationship between the lay community and the monastic community. And uh, it's a, a way of rejoicing in that uh, connection, how the, the lay uh, community supports the uh, monastic sangha, the monastic uh, community, and in turn the monastic community supports uh, the lay community and how through uh, the individual lifestyles, individual modes of activity and domains of responsibility and, and effort and attention and care, then we, we help each other along. It's a, a mutually beneficial uh, system. It's a, a, a what they call a symbiosis where you know, two different 
uh, 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 aspects of a living system uh, support each other and, and both are benefited by their mutual uh, their mutual effort, their their uh, capacity uh, uh, to work together, and the the effects of their working together, and what comes forth from those different elements working in in harmony and uh, effectively uh, together. During today, uh, there was a, a day long event with the uh, Amravati Lay Buddhist Association, Alba. And uh, similarly, on the theme of uh, Katina, and uh, the the, uh, the the title for the day was uh, generosity and gratitude, and, and I felt that was uh, a very uh, very skillful theme, and had so discussed it with the Alba people uh, in advance uh, some time ago, and uh, I felt that was a very good way of say um, summarizing the essence of. Of what Katina is about, what the, the the informing spirit of the Katina festival is, is a, a combination of generosity uh, and and gratitude, and that the the, uh, the 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 two elements they are expressive of a, a very skillful way of relating to uh, to each other in, in the human world. Um, The monastic community is grateful for the support, uh, uh, material support uh, and uh, encouragement given by the lay community. Uh, the lay community is grateful for the example of the monastic community and the, the premises of a, a place like Amravati where uh, usually in, in ordinary times people could come and, and practice. Uh, it's much more limited now uh, because of the, the uh, pandemic and, and the See the the closed gate uh, policy that we have to have in order to to try and maintain the the monastery as a, a virus free environment. But uh, the uh, uh, even if people lay people can't uh, come onto the property in a uh, in the ordinary way of coming to sit meditate in the temple, join in with the pujas, coming to listen to to dhamma talks, or to stay here as a as a short-term guest and such like, uh, still the, the the place is here, and we've uh, had a number of these uh, online events, just like uh, this evening, giving a dhamma talk and having these posted on the website, so that people can at least virtually come to the monastery or have the monastery come into their home <laughs> on a regular basis. There's two or three of these online events uh, uh, every every week. Um, some of them live broadcast, some of them recorded, but uh, there, there is uh, a way that people can sustain the connection with uh, the monastery. And so there's a, a gratefulness, a gratitude that, in, that the monastery is here and us as a resident community can continue our practice and that that can be a beneficial influence on people's lives. And similarly, um, the... the uh, the acts of generosity, the lay people practice the amisadana, the, the giving of material gifts, as the large piles of, uh, of uh, offerings there um, can't be seen by the camera, but <laughs> I can see over on the, the side of the temple, the large uh, piles of offerings that people have gathered together and uh, say made available to support the, uh, the community here at Amravati. So there's a acts of generosity on uh, on that score, and also I would say generosity and, and on the behalf of the monastic community 
to uh, to try to make the teachings available to uh, our wonderful video and uh, uh, tech team that sets these things up, gets the cameras and the, the lights and the the recording gear in uh, in order, so that um, that this kind of offering can be made. Uh, and so I, f I feel that's also a kind of, of generosity that is not insignificant, very helpful and beneficial. That gratitude is relating to uh, uh, that sense of of acceptance uh, that open-hearted quality of being uh, of joyfully receiving whatever whatever the universe uh, provides whatever the universe offers in in any one moment and so that it's a, a receptive involutionary uh, quality to to gratitude is that there's a, a receiving in that and then its partner, generosity, is an offering. It's a it's an expressive, um, uh, say, outgoing quality, and that uh, the uh, so that uh, we are ready to share whatever we have. Generosity is a, a readiness to give, to share, and to say uh, to uh, not think of ourselves first, or to to say con uh, consider the welfare of other beings. As equally important, if not more important, than, than our, our own welfare, and to be ready to share what resources we have, material resources, our time, our attention, our our energy, um, with sincerity, to share those those qualities to to support others. So it's a, it's a little like the breath, you know, the the, the in breath and the out breath work together, and the the. Uh, the in breath has that that involutionary receptive quality, taking the the air in to to receive oxygen into the body to to sustain the life of of our our bodies as human beings. And then the the out breath is the expressive. So that's like a, a generosity, a, a giving forth. And uh, and I often like to explain the practice of, of loving kindness. Uh, as having these two dimensions and also symbolized by the breath that that loving kindness we often think of loving kindness as mostly in in terms of being expressive like you know, the the uh, uh, say the outgoing benevolence well wishing of may all beings be uh, may all beings be well may all beings be happy may they be at ease may they be free from suffering and uh, and also uh, the uh, the other aspect of metta, I feel, is uh, not just wishing ourselves well, but the 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 actual quality of open heartedness, and that uh, that say uh, uh, what I call a radical acceptance, the the openness of the uh, of the heart, ready to uh, uh, say accept exactly how things are in this moment, and so. I often like to talk about uh, loving kindness as having these two dimensions, having a, a receptive and an expressive quality. So I feel that these these two um, uh, aspects, generosity and gratitude, similarly, they they are ways of embodying that heart of loving kindness, that caring quality, both caring for this being, caring for other beings, and uh, say an outgoing benevolence, but also uh, a quality uh, of uh, receptivity, a radical acceptance of of the way things are. Also, I feel that uh, it's good to to reflect on what are the sources, uh, what what it really is, the source of of, of generosity. Uh, where does that come from? And what's the source of gratitude? And if uh, if you reflect on that, and you ponder that. It's, I, I feel it's really the Dhamma itself, which is the source of generosity. That it's that 
quality of fullness of being that uh, say that uh, when we awaken to the dhamma of our, within our own hearts so the the heart that that knows the dhamma that embodies the dhamma is is ready to to share it can't it's not seeing in terms of of self-centered views of conceit or of self-importance but rather it's a it's a, a way of um, say um expressing that that quality of puna in pali or purna in sanskrit that uh, quality of inner completeness and because of that sense of completeness you're ready to share whatever uh, whatever is whatever you've got because uh, you know, how can the dhamma be diminished <laughs> you know the the uh, that sense of uh, of uh, a fullness of being is not dependent on our own sort of personal energy resources or our the the the, the objects that we we have but rather it's a that uh, quality of the fundamental nature of of our lives i would say uh, similarly with with gratitude that uh, i would say that the basis of gratitude uh, is also that uh, that quality of of dhamma itself to uh, to be grateful that you know this is the way things are <laughs> to be uh, to open the heart to the way nature is and that the I feel that the quality of gratitude that sense of appreciation gladness of heart is uh, in a way the heart uh, uh, say uh, uh, accepting acknowledge acknowledging and delighting in the the way nature is. Uh, on this on this note, I was also reflecting earlier today how there's this really interesting uh, passage in the the suttas where the, the Buddha's speaking uh, just after the time of his enlightenment, and uh, it's while he's still in the area of, of Bodhgaya, and it describes his own inner uh, inner ponderings, and I think maybe, maybe it's in the, the Mahavaga in, in the Vinaya scriptures. I'm not absolutely sure where where you'd find it. But uh, it's shortly after the Enlightenment, and the Buddha is contemplating the fact that he, he didn't have a teacher, and uh, he's cast his vision around the world, and to, to look through the, the different qualities of, of beings uh, alive in the world, and he realizes, I'm the only enlightened being in the world, I'm the only Arahant in the world. And nobody is my teacher, so I've got nobody to look up to. I've got nobody that I can pay respects to. Uh, and then he can. Then, as it says in, in the scripture, it says uh, a person lives unhappily who has nothing to look up to, has no one to respect or no one to look up to. And then he can. Then he he reflects. Oh, but I have the the dhamma that I can look up to. I can respire. I can. I can respect. I can revere. I can honor the dhamma. Yes, that that's what I can look up to. And so I've always been very touched by that that particular passage, and thought that was, that's uh, very beautiful. That sense of you know one lives unhappily who has no one, nothing to look up to, <laughs> and it's a there's a, a, a beautiful humility uh, there uh, as well. And so that uh, I feel that's also say uh, that quality of gratitude and appreciation, reverence uh, uh, is there uh, is. Sort of, essentially for for the the dhamma and is you know in a way it's also an expression of our own inner nature uh, as i i like to reflect the the heart is dhamma the mind is dhamma it's it's not a person you know, it's a we we get caught up in habits of self-view we say i'm a man or i'm a woman i am uh, i'm british or i'm french or i'm german or american a thai or uh, whatever 
and uh, we we latch our attention onto these uh, personal qualities. But the more that the practice is developed, the more it's recognized that the, the mind in its essence is Dhamma, that the every aspect of the body and, and the mind is part of the natural order. And uh, when we, we consider nature, uh, what nature is, you can also consider nature is Dhamma. The, the, the Pali word Dhammajati means born of the Dhamma. And uh, in, in the Thai language, that's the, ver the very word they use for nature itself. So <clears throat> that, uh, say, consideration of the, the fundamental nature of the, the heart is Dhamma itself. It's not to be inflated or exaggerated, you know, I am the Dhamma, that's what I am. <laughs> it's a sort of massive ego trip, uh, a kind of mega conceit. But rather uh, to, to consider, well, what aspect of the body and mind is not a part of nature? Well, I can't find anything. <laughs> the, the, every aspect of the body and the mind, uh, mundane or transcendent, these are all aspects of nature. Uh, and Dhamma is nature, therefore the, the mind is Dhamma. And so that, uh, not to grasp that for, again from an egotistical or conceited point of view, but what that does is then it, it changes the, the way we think of, of this life, what how we think of, of what we, we are. And it... It helps the the experience of living to be seen from a nature-centered point of view rather than a, a self-centered point of view. Uh, another thing to, to consider, the relationship of, of gratitude and generosity and how they function together, uh, one, um, uh, one important uh, thing to bear in mind is that none of us would be here, I would say, if it wasn't for the chemistry between those those two qualities, uh, in particular with the the history of this this community and uh, specifically Lumpur Sumato, and, and uh, as probably many many of you know, maybe some of you don't know uh, the the uh, the history of how he started taking uh, responsibility for teaching. It was uh, after he had been a, a bhikkhu for. Um, see about uh, five five or six years he he became a bhikkhu in 1967 and then uh, was training with Ajahn Chah for several years before uh, many other Westerners uh, showed up but by 1973-74 there was a, quite a, a steady stream of, of uh, uh, foreigners arriving at Wat Bapong, hearing of Ajahn Chah's reputation and coming to practice with him and more and more often, the young Ajahn Sumedha was uh, brought, uh, brought in to translate and to help give guidance in meditation, Dhamma teachings to the to the, the newly arrived Westerners, most of whom couldn't speak any Thai. And then uh, as the, the population of, of uh, the Prafarang, the Western Sangha, was uh, increasing uh, one year, and I think it was about 70, uh, 73 or 74, then Ajahn Chah uh, suggested that uh, Ajahn Sumedho take take the Westerners off to Wat Tamsangpet, the Tamsangpet monastery uh, in Amnachiran. Uh, so the monastery where Lumpur Thun, who spent the, the rains retreat here last year, the, the monastery where he was the abbot. And so he, he suggested to Ajahn Sumedho take the, take the other Westerners off to, to Tamsangpet and, and uh, you can uh, practice together with them there. So that was the first time Ajahn Chah sort of put him in a position of, of leadership with other Westerners. 
And uh, as uh, uh, Lomposomedo tells the story, a very uh, as many of you will probably have heard him describe how uh, immediately the the, uh, the the rains retreat was completed, he he scuttled off to um, to central Thailand and then uh, accepted an invitation to go to visit the holy places in India. So he, he uh, uh, was very eager to get away from all these other crazy Westerners and uh, to not be in the position of having to teach and take responsibility and to, to guide these uh, uh, young aspirants. Um, and so he he was traveling in India. He was with two other monks, uh, Venerable uh, Damaguto, Chris uh, Chris Cook, and uh, Venerable Bankao, Ajahn uh, Bankao is a uh, uh, Damaguto is a British monk, Ajahn uh, Bankao is a Laotian monk. So the three of them were traveling in India to the holy places, and then during that time, and and I've never really uh, heard Lumpur Sumato describe exactly where it was or, or, or sort of how it took shape along the way, but he's told the story many times that while he was in India, he was uh, overcome by this. This wave, uh, waves of gratitude and uh, intense appreciation for what he had received from Lumpur Cha, and that uh, he re reflected on how you know, his whole spiritual training, all that he knew about the Dhamma, all he knew of how to meditate, or how to be a monk, and how to to embody the Buddha's teachings, all of that had really come from uh, from Ajahn Chah, and so this uh, this realization brought a tremendous feeling a gratitude and appreciation uh, to, to a very intense degree. So he reflected on that, and then also, uh, as he describes it, he sort of considered and remembered the the uh, attitudes of mind he'd had while trying to escape from Tamsung Pet and, <laughs> and not wanting to take responsibility for other Westerners. And, and he saw, yeah, what, what am I running away from? Why am I so reticent to... To, to take that responsibility. And I've received so much from Ajahn Chah, and he never held back. He was, even if I was very difficult or challenging or gave him a lot of headaches, he never, he never resisted or resented being available for me. So uh, the result of that, of that gratitude, was that uh, uh, Ajahn Sumedho, when he got, got back to Thailand, went to Ajahn Chah and paid his respects to him and offered him his life, as said, Tawai Chiwit, as they say in the in Thai language, Tawai Chiwit. The, he said, "I give you my life. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it." So uh, I not uh, uh, I'm not going to follow my own impulses or my own preferences. Uh, I I give my my life to you, and so please, whatever you'd like me to to do, however you'd like me to use my time, please just uh, just let me know. And uh, that so that was a very generous offering. <laughs> extraordinarily powerful and generous offering uh, and as, as Ajahn Sajito put it in the, d describing this uh, a while ago this it's not recorded how Ajahn Chah responded it was probably just with a, a, the uh, the northeast Thai uh, which is a it's actually in the the Lao English dictionary that, that particular sound <laughs> and it can mean yes or no or I hear you or um, uh, I understand what you mean or any any variation along that is sort of duly noted is a, maybe a, a good way to uh, uh, express that. <clears throat> is that so? Or I hear what you say. Or okay, yeah, anywhere on that spectrum. So uh, we are here, 
and Amravati exists, and I would say every single one of us is here because of that gesture, because of that uh, that offering, because Ajahn Sumedho uh, decided to offer his life to, to Lumpur Char. Then uh, a little while later, uh, a year or two later, then um, the uh, uh, invitation from Bungwai village came from the villagers there for the, the Westerners to, to settle in the forest just outside the village. And that's how uh, the International Forest Monastery, Wat Nana Chat, began. And um, Ajahn Sumedho settled there and a group of Western monastics gathered around him and the rest is history indeed. So that was 1975 that, that Wat Nanachat uh, began. And so uh, uh, personally I feel tremendous gratitude <laughs> on account of that, uh, uh, that undertaking, that, that, say, that availability that... Uh, that uh, Lumpur Sumato made, uh, that he is available to teach, available to take responsibility, available to help this uh, uh, confused and crazy collection of, of uh, foreigners to gather together and to craft their lives into the the, the mode of Dhamma Vinaya and to, to train these the, these chittas, train these these hearts and minds to awaken to to Dhamma, to awaken to the 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 fundamental reality of, of the way things are. And so uh, uh, I feel an incredible gratitude to have been on the receiving end of, of that, uh, that generosity and uh, that, uh, not, not to make people feel that they should be indebted. <laughs> but uh, I do feel this is a good opportunity to bring these things to mind. That uh, this place doesn't exist just on its own. It's like you, you come up to Margaret's Lane and boom, Amravati is here. Well, it's here because of causes. <laughs> it's not just here because it's here because it's here, but it's it's it, it, this place exists, and this event this evening exists because of of a, a vast array of causes, and a lot of that based on these very very skillful qualities that. Uh, and these, particularly these qualities of gratitude, gratitude for the the teaching, gratitude for the opportunity to practice, and then the the acts of generosity of giving Ajahn Sumedho ready to give his time, his attention, his care, his skill, his his knowledge to be of benefit to others, and and uh, the development of what Nanachat and these branches around the world have have largely come forth from that uh, uh, that that gesture though in in uh, term again exploring the, the the spirit of katina and uh, generosity and gratitude then um how can we develop those qualities uh, we can see yeah these are very these are very wholesome very noble very beautiful very admirable but as we all know you can't just decide to be generous or you know, okay i'm going to be grateful now <laughs> Yeah, that's a noble aspiration. We can say, yes, I recognize this is wholesome. Um, but just recognizing that something is wholesome and good, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we can conjure it into being. Uh, uh, we can take particular practices or, or have an aspiration to, say, bring to mind, I, I would like to be more grateful. I can see that I'm often... Uh, I have feelings of um, uh, privilege or entitlement or um, I'm uh, ungrateful, um, I, I have a lot of expectations um, uh, or I'm not, I'm not generous. I always uh, 
seem to be thinking of myself, putting myself first and, and considering, you know, how I can get the biggest share or, or um, what about me and uh, do I get the thing that I want? And so we can uh, we can recognize that, uh, oh yeah, it'd be good to be more generous, be good to, to be more unselfish and to have more gratitude. But just in the way that I, I'm using those phrases, just describing those uh, that those aspirations that I need to be more grateful or I need to be less selfish, you know, I, I need to be less uh, entitled. It, when we pick up a, uh, like a noble intention, uh, a skillful quality, it's very easy for that to get woven in with self-view and uh, the habits of, of bhavatana, the desire to become, or vibhavatana, the desire to get rid of. I need to get rid of my selfishness. I need to get, uh, I need to get rid of my habits of, of of entitlement, or I need to get get rid of my complaining and criticizing attitudes. I need to to become more unselfish. I need to be more generous. I need to uh, be more thoughtful of other people. All of that, I me, I need to, I should, I must, I've got to get rid of. All of that I, uh, I making and mind making, uh, what that does, uh, and probably most of us are familiar with with how this works, is that those noble intentions, that sincerity, gets co-opted by self-view. I've got to be more generous. I need to be less selfish. You know, I've got to get rid of my uh, my sense of uh, privilege and my assumptions of of superiority and uh, my lack of, of, of gratitude, I have to get rid of that. And the, the uh, what happens with that is then that those noble intentions get distorted and end up becoming a source of suffering, a source of, of alienation and self-criticism and uh, the the inner agitations of, of, uh, of uh, say, Never, never being able to do it well, well enough. Never, try, never being good enough. Uh, uh, worrying about what other people think of us, or, or uh, the uh, the noblest and most sincere of efforts in this way can end up producing more and more dukkha. And, and again, if the, those of you who've listened to many of Lumpur Sumato's Dhamma talks or read his books over the years, you'll see how over and over again he points to these two qualities, the vibhavatana, the desire to get rid of, and bhavatana, the desire to become. These are the uh, very, very often the, the, the main uh, causes of difficulty and dukkha in the mind of, of uh, a meditator because they can seem to be, they can disguise themselves as, you know, noble activity they can disguise themselves as following the teacher's instruction you know i do need to get rid of my chattering thoughts i do need to get rid of my my lust and my fear and my anger i do need to <laughs> so it can it can feel as though and sound as though we're, we're following the instructions but uh, on account of them being uh, say infused with the habits of i me and mine self-view and conceit then necessarily if if effort is is uh, say coloured or, or influenced in that way, necessarily it will lead to dukkha. It, it can't that effort can't lead to liberation. So that it makes meditation and our spiritual practice, the development of the sila and skillful qualities, uh, or trying to be generous or trying to be uh, trying to be grateful, it uh, it produces more dukkha. And so that uh, is very painful and, and, and frustrating, disappointing and, and, uh, and sad. Uh, 
So that uh, in this respect, it's helpful to to see well how can generosity be developed free from self-view, or how can uh, gratefulness be be developed free from self-view, and uh, what's uh, what are skillful ways that 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 might be done. Uh, so there are various different approaches that, that one could take, but uh, what uh, what I like uh, to um, to do myself <laughs> in, in many many areas of practice uh, in terms of skillful qualities rather than the sort of raising up the ideal of you know i need to be more concentrated or i need to be wiser or i need to have more of this or less of that uh, i uh, try to bring the attention to that which gets in the way so rather than thinking i need to be more kind i'll bring my attention to what what is <laughs> what are the feelings of unkindness or rather than uh, I, in this respect i need to be more generous uh, what what does stinginess feel like what does selfishness feel like so i like to and i find it's very helpful to bring the attention to that which is obstructing or confusing or getting in the way of those wholesome qualities and in in a mysterious fashion that seems to uh, uh, for me at least it seems to be easier to not get caught in in self-view, when uh, bringing attention to to the obstacles or obstructions and uh, that felt sense, so you're not starting from the ideal of how you should be, but you're starting from the the felt sense, the the actuality of that which is uh, of, uh, arising in the heart, the feelings of of being ungrateful or or, or being uh, selfish or, or uh, you know self-concerned. So, with, uh, in this respect, so what I like to, to, to the way I like to practice with this is uh, to to set an intention. So, if you really want to to uh, to see how the mind uh, is inclined towards selfishness and uh, seeking self benefit or um, being ungenerous or uh, you know, the various kinds of, of of giving that the Buddha described as of stingy giving, as a, like that you're going to throw something away in, in anyhow, so you might as well give it to someone because uh, well you were going to discard it, <laughs> or giving with a uh, um, with a, a uh, an expectation of getting something in return. Uh, that's sort of qualified giving or, or uh, a kind of giving that's uh, with an expectation or a, 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 a rider on it. And then the, 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 the third kind of giving is what they call rajadana or regal giving, like giving without uh, having any expectation uh, in return. But even rajadana, even that kind of very uh, noble giving, that just giving something that is precious to you and, and not really expecting anything in return, it can still be, I'm expecting something in return. <laughs> or sorry, I'm not expecting anything in return. I'm just giving this uh, and uh, uh, whether anything comes back or not, is uh, I'm indifferent to that. So that uh, whatever the kind of of, uh, of giving uh, that one is considering to see where does stinginess uh, arise or what does that feel like of that feeling of well I don't want to give this away because I, you know I really like this or well I'll, I'll only give so much um, uh, because uh, you know I, I want to keep some for myself or what will I do if I haven't got any of this left or or and it's not just material things it can be 
a stinginess uh, with with giving our time or our attention. I don't want to bother talking to that person. I want to don't want to bother with with uh, being available to do this. I don't want to volunteer for this particular work task. I'm not going to go to the work meeting because I don't want to be bothered with having to be told what to do. Um, when those, uh, I'm not reading anybody's mind or <laughs> finding fault with anyone in particular, just sort of uh, randomly inventing ways that the mind is selfish or, or stingy and uh, puts me puts me first. To uh, to set the intention, uh, whatever kind of, uh, of uh, stinginess or selfishness arises during the day, notice that. To, to set the intention at the beginning of the day when uh, to be so clearly and consciously, uh, say, resolving. Okay, during today, whenever there's a, a, a selfish feeling, uh, a me-first feeling, uh, I don't want to bother with that, I don't care about uh, what, uh, what, the, uh, uh, what the expectations are, I'm not going to bother, uh, to notice that. To, to set the intention to, to, to track every time the mind moves in that direction. So if you do this as a sort of serious practice, it can be very revealing. If you just aim at one particular, one particular mental habit, it can be really uh, astonishing how many times during the course of a day those particular feelings uh, arise. Uh, and it can be startling, embarrassing even. <laughs> wow, this is happening over and over and over again. But it's it's helpful to see that habit if you recognize, okay, that's something I want to work on, I, I want to cultivate more generosity, to spot those times where the ungenerous, selfish attitude arises. And then whenever it arises, then to notice how it takes shape in the mind. Uh, and then uh, to, to, in a sense, catch it uh, and then replay that clearly and consciously. Like, I don't want to go... Uh, I'm not going to bother. I don't care about that. My time is how I spend my time is up to me. So, if that's what takes takes shape in the mind, just the you know, I don't care about what I'm supposed to be doing. What I do with my time is up to me. So there, <laughs> and uh, or that uh, I don't want to give this. I, I don't want to give this away because I want to keep some for me. Because uh, uh, life will be bad if I don't have. Uh, a, a supply of my favorite thing and that will and that's no good whenever you you catch the attitude of mind like this and replay it clearly and consciously uh, my experience is that you, as you start to to think those thoughts and, and you know, so say it out loud to yourself you uh, by the time you get to the end of the sentence the uh, the um uh, the attractiveness or the the reality of it has fallen apart. It's almost like you you invariably start laughing at yourself, or, or like it just falls to pieces, or you can't even finish the sentence because it's so obviously ridiculous. Like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to give this away because I'm more important than you, <laughs> and it, it uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, and that absurdity is revealed to our own intuitive wisdom it's not like i'm telling myself it's absurd or i'm i coming up with an idea that this is ridiculous but rather that clear seeing of that very selfish uh, childish uh, and uh, limited attitude when it's seen in the sort of the right under the spotlight <laughs> like we have this evening uh, you get it right front center and shine the the spotlight of satipanya mindfulness and wisdom on it 
then it, it can't hold up. If it's off in the in the edges of of our attention, if it's sort of back in the so behind our, our range of vision, then it can be convincing. Like, yeah, well, I yeah, I do want some. What will I do if I haven't got any of that? Or yeah, you know, I don't want to to waste my time on on that person. I, yeah, I can't be bothered. If it's just so out of the range of vision, then that can seem very convincing and real and and uh, valid. If you get it front center and say, you know, I don't want to be bothered. I don't care about that person. <laughs> you say it out loud, not not to be shaving, shaming yourself, or or um, uh, say uh, uh, creating more of an attitude of self view around it. Just letting those words, those the, that train of thought, be known, and then whew, it it dissolves by itself. It falls away. You don't have to let go of it. Uh, it's not like you're developing generosity instead of being selfish. It's rather that the selfishness can't stand up, can't hold together in the in the uh, the light of of wisdom. It can't sustain itself. It's like it it falls apart on its own. It's like a, in the autumn, you know, the 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 leaves of, uh, change and and fall off the trees because that's the 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 nature of the season that uh, you know, the the leaf doesn't have to do any conscious letting go it's just the nature of the leaf changes the stalk separates from the from the twig and you know the leaf drops off so this kind of letting go of selfishness it's not really a letting go it's just a natural falling away that's caused by that uh, the 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 impact like the the winds of of, of autumn and the the change of the season causes the leaves to drop off so that that selfishness and uh, ungratefulness uh, they they fall away uh, on on their own in in reflecting on on uh, gratitude and i would say it's in exactly the same way when you you find that the mind is um, uh, say in an ungrateful state, if you have strong habits of, of ingratitude, um, if, if say that uh, you feel the world the world owes you something, that uh, it's up to the world to make you happy, and if you're not happy, it's the fault of the world, it's the fault of the ajahn. You know, if you were a better teacher, I wouldn't be suffering. So you know, my suffering is your fault. <laughs> or my if my parents had done a better job of bringing me up then uh, i uh, i wouldn't suffer so that uh, uh, my parents they 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 owe me they uh, i'm unhappy because of them so i'm uh, these are sweeping statements or making broad generalizations but it's easy for us to when the mind really um, buys into those uh, sort of self-centered and ungrateful attitudes then there can be this sense of uh, of entitlement yeah it's uh, i i'm owed this i should have this and and uh uh so that when the the heart abides in those states and that in that kind of uh, uh lack of gratitude that ungratefulness a sense of entitlement or, or that you feel like you're owed it's a really joyless state <laughs> It's, uh, and even if you manage to, to get the things that you think that you are owed, it's still joyless. It still doesn't really satisfy you. It's still it's still very very painful. So in in, uh, in developing gratitude or considering uh, the quality of gratitude, yeah, I uh, I feel it's it's helpful to 
to to look at that to, again in exactly the same way that sense of uh, if you if there is that sense in the in the heart that you know you owe me or that what you know that I deserve better treatment or you know this this person uh, is uh, is really letting me down or they they shouldn't have uh, they shouldn't act in that way it's it's really uh, hurtful to me uh, you know it's really disappointing and that it might be that someone's behavior is upsetting or that there there is it is unskillful but it's still up to us how we handle it if we take hold of that that other that action or the speech of another person or the government or our parents and and uh, and we are born into that we take hold of that and, and uh, say make that our refuge then even if we have got a a good reason to complain or criticize there is there is some some unskillful behavior has been there. Still, we are making ourselves suffer, and the other person is suffering on account of that unskillful quality as well. So you've got two beings suffering. <laughs> so that uh, if if we change our attitude, you're not pretending that you're glad that people have mistreated you or have uh, given you a, a, a poor upbringing, but you're recognizing in this moment, it's entirely up to this being what is done with that experience. And so that with with gratitude, uh, it's particularly important not just to be grateful for the for the for the sort of the the blessings, the kind of having the Dhamma teachings from Lumpucha, Lumposameto, and the 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 Buddhist uh, the Buddhist teachings that we've inherited and are so available to us nowadays. Uh, it's not just a gratitude for. Uh, for the pleasant and the delightful, the immediately beneficial, but uh, I, uh, when uh, when we want to develop gratitude in a in a full way, uh, to to look at those particularly the the um, the difficulties and challenges that life presents, and to consciously cultivate a uh, an attitude of gratefulness to even the the, the difficulties and the adversities uh, of life. One of the the statements that uh, Lumpur Cha would very often make, and I feel this is this is a, a very good expression of uh, this principle of uh, cultivating a profound grat uh, gratitude. Uh, so, uh, so that uh, whether it's a pleasant experience or painful experience or neutral experience, there is that openness of heart and a readiness to receive. He would say, everything is teaching us. If we let it. Everything will teach us. Uh, the, the pleasant, the painful, the wanted, the unwanted, uh, everything will teach us if we let it. So if you're wise, everything will teach you. So not just the you know, an Ajahn sitting on a Dhamma seat and <laughs> giving a talk uh, as a sort of formal or a sort of labeled teacher, but the, the pain in your knees uh, will, will teach you. The, the struggle that you have with, one, with, with your fellow monastics or living in the room next door, uh, that will teach you. Your uh, your doubts about your own meditation and your ability to to calm your mind those doubts will teach you. Uh, COVID nineteen the, the the pandemic the the the, the limits uh, that are set upon us by the 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 pandemic that will teach us. If you get the disease and you have the 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 you know, the uh, breathing difficulties and, and the or the the symptoms. Are, uh, advanced to a great degree so that there's a, a profound illness and sickness and and so forth that can teach us too and so that this is such a central theme of Lumpur Cha's teaching 
Uh, and I feel it's, it's really uh, one of those things that if we take it to heart, it makes such a difference. So with developing uh, uh, gratitude, not uh, I would say the first part would be uh, noticing when you're ungrateful and you're uh, feeling entitled or demanding or that the world owes you, that's sort of part one and recognizing that and, and, uh, uh, and letting that fall away and then recognizing what, how does it feel when that falls away there's a a a, a quality of, of openness and attentiveness and, and peacefulness that's there. But to take it even a step further, to to in a sense uh, deepen and, and amplify, strengthen that quality of of gratitude. To take even the most difficult and challenging aspects of our life, illness. Um, feeling rejected, or feeling that you you're not you're not good enough, or you or you're being criticised. You you put your effort into a particular project or a, a, a an, an undertaking, um, decorating the temple or making making a fantastic uh, flower arrangement, and then you put hours and hours and hours into doing the flower arrangements, and and then someone comes along and says, oh, so. Um, uh, is that supposed to look like that? Or <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not criticizing these flower arrangements at all. I'm just using this as a, a random example. So from your own side, you might be very pleased with how it's turned out. Somebody can come along and say, oh, is it, uh, is it supposed to look like that? Uh, and um, the, uh, the, the experience of being criticized or, or failing um, that that will teach us, uh, and so that uh, if we really take this this principle to heart, then it uh, it changes the the way that the 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 heart the mind relates to the field of experience, and this is so valuable. It makes such a difference. Uh, and again, as Lumpur Chow would say, like and dislike are are, are of equal value. Chop my chop, tau tau Liking and disliking are of equal value. If you're praised, you succeed at something, uh, you're asked to do a particular task, or you, uh, you're, you sit down in meditation, your mind goes very clear and is very focused. Uh, you're, uh, the work that you do, people say, oh, this is so wonderful, these flowers are fantastic, you know, this is beautifully done. Uh, there's a, a, a sweetness to success, to being praised, to being approved, to, to being loved, to the things that, that you do coming together in a, in a, a well-integrated and harmonious way. That's a, there's a sweet feeling that comes with that. So over and over and over again, Ajahn Chah would say, you know, don't attach to happiness. <laughs> Rather, when there's that sweet feeling of being approved or being successful, things going well, oh, this is a sweet taste. This, uh, what can be learned from this? Uh, uh, what, what will this teach me? Similarly, when things fall apart, you sit down to meditate, your mind is all over the place, you're falling asleep, and you're sort of shuttling between being asleep and being enraged with anger and lust and fear and, and uh, anxiety. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you take up some particular task, you have responsibility for some, for some job, and then it all goes pear-shaped, uh, things go terribly wrong, uh, you end up wasting a huge amount of money, and people really are upset with you. 
and that's a bitter taste. That's really that's uh, uh, really painful. But rather than uh, again letting the that that bitterness be something that you take refuge in or buy into, uh, it's like oh, what what can be learned from this? This is the bitterness of being rejected or having a, a mind that's all over the place or or taking up a, a task that that fails and uh, and uh, is a is a disaster. What can be learned from this? Uh, and so that if we change the attitude in that way, and not not superficially, but you know, to to the degree possible, really taking that to heart, then even those those painful feelings of like uh, I'm I'm rejected or I'm a failure or I, I've uh, uh, I've got terrible doubts, that that can be a, a real source of of wisdom, a real source of blessing, uh, and. And in that, there's a, a freedom from self-view and recognizing, oh, this is what uh, uh, a failure feels like. This is what a chaotic mind feels like. And in that clear seeing, the, there is no creation of I or me or mine around that. Here is a busy mind that's going to, you know, chaotic and confused and all over the place. That's what a crazy mind feels like, filled with fear and lust and anxiety aversion it's like this and the mind that which knows uh, a confused and agitated mind is not confused or agitated uh, it, it's not identified with that so those qualities are there but they're they're known as aspects of the person that arise and pass away that which knows the person isn't a person that the heart is taking refuge in that quality of knowing that puru that uh, Awakened, aware quality, the the vijja, as it said in in Pali, that the heart is embodying that quality of vijja. Similarly, when things go well and you're praised and and uh, things are, are harmonious and 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 sweet, then there similarly is a recognition that recognition of what can be learned from this is that this is what sweetness tastes like. <laughs> it's not a person; it doesn't belong to a person. Uh, that which knows sweetness isn't sweet. You know, that which knows integration is not integrated. It's, it's beyond the world of things coming together. That quality of, of knowing, it, it transcends even goodness. As Again, as Lumpur Chah would say, you know, people want to let go of evil and cultivate the good, but that which is beyond good and evil, people don't know about, people don't understand. So that uh, when we change the the uh, the attitude to the events of our, our life, what occurs in our field of experience, whether it's a, a beautiful, bright, sunny day or a dark and stormy night, then uh, the the heart is uh, undisturbed or uh, is uh, un, uh, unconfused uh, by those particular changes. It doesn't uh, hold on to a preference of one over the other, but it, it uh, instead takes refuge in that quality of awakened awareness, that quality uh, of knowing. And so that uh this uh this change of heart uh is uh is a, a way of really making the very best use of our time our effort our, our energy um we do the best we can with with our meditation with our practice with our behavior with the, the work that we do we we do the best we can but if that's within the framework of uh uh what can i learn from this you know, then there's a gratefulness, there's a gratitude to, for everything. <laughs> the heart is, is embodying gratefulness 
that even when things go really bad and they say, well, this is interesting. I can learn about, uh, I can learn what a disaster is like, <laughs> or when you have a, an illness, then, oh, this is, this is, uh, this is helpful. I can, I can appreciate how to deal with sickness and pain and, 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 and aches and fevers. Uh, uh, this is good too. And so that, uh, that, that quality of, of gratitude, of gratefulness, it, uh, then it's um, uh, the uh, the kind of abiding presence. Nothing can go wrong with our life <laughs> if we if we change the attitude to to uh, that everything is is teaching us. Uh, then we are grateful for for all the circumstances. Um, uh, earlier today at the Alba event, I was quoting. Um, there's a line from "As You Like It," the the play by William Shakespeare called "As You Like It," and the, one of the, the characters called Duke Duke Senior is his name. He's been usurped. His younger brother has kicked him out of the dukedom, has taken over, and and the elder brother is exiled into the forest and is having to to just live out in the wilds with a, a few companions. And so he sort of stepped down from this rich, luxurious, comfortable life in the in his palace, and li living out in the woods. And so um, uh, uh, it's sort of brought to his uh, his attention, or the discussion is, oh, this must be really difficult, must be terrible for you to have such a come down to, from living in luxury and wealth and comfort. And uh, he makes this this very beautiful speech where he says, um, "Sweet are the uses of adversity." So a, a uh, useful phrase to bear in mind. Sweet are the uses of adversity. And then he goes on to say, uh, that like the toad, ugly and venomous, yet carries a jewel within its head. So in those days, they used to believe that certain species of toad actually had it inside the, the skull. There was a, a, a jewel, that, uh, like a, a precious a precious gem inside the head of a toad. So, so just like uh, a toad, ugly and venomous, it has a jewel within its head. So too, you know, living out in the forest, this has its blessings. And he goes on to say how uh, the uh, the running of the streams across the stones. There are sermons in the stones. If you hear the the water running across the stones of the the, the stream, then it's like the hearing a, a sermon, hearing a dhamma talk, <laughs> or the the. Um, uh, the the wind through the the leaves. It's like uh, there are there are songs in in the leaves. There are, uh, there's a uh, there's the beauty of the natural world. So he, even though he's lost everything, he's sort of been uh, say kicked out of his own domain and, and lost all his his sort of wealth and power and position and so on. He's still able to to see. Well, actually, this is really quite delightful. <laughs> being in exile, being in the forest, having lost everything. Well, this this is this is good too. So I feel that uh, that sense of of gratitude and appreciation, ready, readiness to learn from everything, it's a great source of peace. That you're not waiting for the difficult things to be over so you can be happy. You're not waiting for the 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 dumber talk to finish so you can move your legs or to get to the bathroom. Or you're not uh, waiting for the pandemic to be over and so so that you'll be able to get back to normal. You're not waiting for the the katina to be over so that we can have a, a quieter uh, routine and and so on. That rather the heart can be uh, open to even the the greatest of adversities. And is ready to to learn from that to 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 not argue against that because uh, the heart that is ungrateful is always disappointed even with <laughs> even with the delightful it's it's not quite good enough or or he should have got more of it or or uh, how can you keep it 
there's always uh, abiding in disappointment and um, criticism. So I feel that uh, taking the spirit of Katina in this way uh, and to consciously make the, these efforts to uh, to change our view, to change the way that the the world is held, and to, to uh, firmly establish this this intention to to see the the world in this way, to see how we can uh, let everything be our teacher, and then rather than just taking my word for it, or just sort of okay, that's the instruction, I should do that. Most importantly, see the results of that when when we, when with that change of heart is actualized. What happens? How is the world changed? How do you relate to, to praise and success? How do you relate to failure and criticism? How do you relate to the whole spectrum of experience? What happens? How, how is that felt? Uh, what, uh, what's the effect of that? And then seeing and knowing that effect directly, let that be what informs you, let that be what guides you then you don't have to take it from any external source, but you know, <laughs> if you let everything be your teacher, then the, the world is a, is a delightful place. You never feel let down, you never feel disappointed, you never, there's never anything missing, nothing ever goes wrong in any radical and, and absolute way. Things might go that, in a way that you didn't expect <laughs> or is not convenient, but the heart knows this isn't, there's nothing absolutely and fundamentally wrong it's uh, it's uh, it's like this and no matter how painful or difficult things get with our ill with our state of health or whatever then if that attitude is sustained what can be learned from this then there's a great peace a great ease a great freedom that comes from that so i offer these words for consideration this evening